My grandma Bunch was a woman of welcome. Uh, whenever we would go to her house, uh, she always welcomed us in some just beautiful ways. Uh, however, we needed to be welcomed, whether it was my brother, sister, my parents, cousins, uncles, she welcomed us. For me, it was always a hug. She had this kind of hug that actually would pull you in to her. And pretty soon, she had engulfed me so much that there weren't two people that were standing there, but there was just one. The other way that she welcomed me was that she made tapioca pudding. And I love me some tapioca pudding. And I'm not talking about the snack pack kind of cheap tapioca pudding. I'm talking about homemade, melt-in-your-mouth kind of tapioca pudding. And I loved going to my grandma's house because I was always welcomed and she always made me feel important. She made me feel special. She welcomed me in. Is there someone in your life when you were growing up that was a person of welcome like that? A person who made you feel accepted, who made you feel special, who made you feel important. Is there a person in your life today who just kind of has that knack of being able to welcome you and to let you know that you are fully loved and fully accepted? You know, this concept of welcoming is throughout all of Scripture. In multiple places, God talks about the importance of welcoming the stranger, welcoming the orphan, welcoming the widow, welcoming people who are struggling. God says, my people will be the kind of people who welcome them. And then when he sent his one and only son, Jesus, Jesus was a person of welcome also. He welcomed everyone always. Jesus didn't care who you were. He welcomed you to be a part of his team. And as he welcomed them, he let them know that they were loved, that they were accepted, they they were special, they were one of a kind. And then Jesus went on to then tell his disciples and the rest of the world that if you follow me, you'll be that kind of welcoming person. One of my favorite passages of scripture when it comes to welcome is found in Romans chapter 15. The guy who writes this is a guy by the name of Paul who wrote close to half of the New Testament. And he actually started a church in Rome. And everything was going well. And then all of a sudden he gets word from the church that people are starting to have some fights, some arguments between one another. There was divisions going on. They were taking sides. They were kind of being critical of one another. They were attacking each other's character. Then, at the end of the letter, as Paul is writing, encouraging them to love one another, to love everyone always, he ends the letter by kind of sharing in the last two chapters the importance of welcoming others. In chapter 15, verse 5, it says this, May the God of endurance and encouragement... Grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ 
Jesus. Paul was basically saying, hey, people, if you say you're a Christian, then you should welcome and love people like Jesus did. You should actually act just like Christ. I mean, the world is watching you. Everyone is looking at you. So live your life in harmony with one another, just like Jesus modeled. And then verse 6 says this, That together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, therefore... I want to stop there just for a second because that word therefore is really, really important. What I learned in seminary is that every single time you have the word therefore, you've got to kind of focus in on exactly what's going to be said after that. You need to pay really close attention because whatever the writer says after the word therefore is kind of the punchline of the passage. And sure enough, what Paul does is he gives us the punchline when he says this, Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Okay, whatever room you're in, wherever you're watching this right now, let's all repeat that verse after uh, me. Let's all say it together, I mean, in one voice. Let's repeat it. Uh, Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Of God. Now, that word welcome is a very interesting word. Now, the entire New Testament was written in Greek, and that word welcome in Greek actually means to pull in, to pull toward, to accept, to welcome. It kind of reminds me of what I started at the beginning of a person who has such a keen awareness of what you need that they pull you in just like Grandma Bunch did to show that we were loved, we were welcomed every time we went to her house. So for the rest of our time, I simply want us to look at one particular question that we're going to try to answer, and the question is this. The question is, why is welcoming so close to the heart of God? Why is welcoming so close to the heart of God? Well, the first potential kind of reason is because God knows how many people need to be welcomed. God knows how many people need to be welcomed in our world. Again, as I shared earlier, when you look at Scripture, what you find is that Jesus welcomed everyone. No matter who they were. He welcomed the sick. He welcomed the disenfranchised. He welcomed the powerful. He welcomed the powerless. He welcomed the educated. He welcomed the uneducated. He welcomed the young. He welcomed the old. He welcomed the rich. And he welcomed the poor. Jesus just had this keen sense of knowing exactly who needed to be pulled in and who needed to be Welcomed. He knew who needed to be cared for and how they would be cared for. He, he knew who needed a healing touch. He knew who needed a loving word. And it almost always was different 
than what people expected. It was always different than what the world said you, you should welcome. He welcomed everyone always. My wife, Jennifer, and I have a great friend. Uh, her name is Deb. We actually went to college together. And then after we went to college, uh, she went on to Cornell University, where she became an attorney. My wife, Jennifer, went on to medical school, and she became a doctor, and you got stuck with me. Uh, that's it, me. But Deb actually uh, went on to become a federal prosecutor, and she prosecuted 9-11 terrorists, pedophiles, and some really, really bad people. And then she worked for the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois, and she worked for multiple different prominent kind of attorneys in Chicago. And in the whole process of this, she had tough jobs, but she was the most welcoming person to her colleagues, and she's one of the most welcoming people that I know. And more importantly than that even, she loves Jesus immensely. Now, one of the ways that she has chosen to actually welcome people is she adopted three children who the rest of the world would see as the least of these. Her oldest son, Seth, she adopted from the south side of Chicago. And in adopting him, she didn't know at the time, but he was legally blind and he had learning disabilities. She went on to Uganda and she adopted her, her second child who was an orphan by the name of Zachariah. And when she adopted him, he had medical, many medical issues, but he went ahead, she went ahead and cared for him. And then, she went ahead on a second trip to Uganda and she adopted another child that had, was orphaned and had issues, her youngest daughter, Leah. Now, this is what I want you to check out. Deb is single. She's never been married. But her welcome for other people did not just stop with her three children that she adopted, but she had such a strong desire to welcome others that she actually started a nonprofit Christian organization called Pure and Faultless. And the whole focus of this is to welcome others by being the hands and feet of Jesus to the least of these. And so these individuals who are forgotten by the world in Uganda... She actually goes and cares for them, whether they're orphaned, whether they have been abused, and they have a huge ministry for women who have been sold into sex slavery. And they help these women who have been prostituted, and they let them know that they're welcomed and they're loved by God, and they bring them back into a relationship of knowing that they have self-worth and that God has not given up on them. And what's so amazing is that you would think, well, this woman has enough on her plate. She need not welcome more, and yet she does with many ministries in the city of Chicago as well. 
And there is the fact that she is not naive to the challenges that face her that are present. But she is committed to being able to be welcoming to all people in the name of Jesus. And now she is passing that on to her three children as well. Now, the second possible reason of why welcoming is so close to the heart of God is because God knows that people who are different need to be welcomed. God knows that people who are different need to be welcomed. The scripture in Romans takes place at a time in which there were many different ideological differences that were taking place in the church. People had a big argument about what people should eat and what people shouldn't eat to be close to God. They were declaring that each side knew exactly what God's intentions were and that people were sinning if they were not doing exactly what they believed in. Tim Keller is a pastor and uh, someone who I've read many of his books. And this is what he says. God doesn't command us to accept one another's beliefs, but to accept one another. Let me say that again. He says that God is not commanding us to accept one another's beliefs, but to simply accept one another. When I was in seminary, I was amazed at how many different belief systems there were when it came even to Christianity. Some people, I wondered if they believed in Jesus at all, and others, um, I often wondered if they felt like anyone really could accept Christ without having the Bible crammed down their throat and having all kinds of knowledge poured into them. And there were many other places in between. And I had to learn how to welcome and accept and get along with these individuals who would say they're all Christians, but they have very different belief systems. Now, the truth is, the seminary that I attended was mainly white, almost predominantly white, and almost all male. And early on, God placed it in my heart that I needed to reach out to someone who was different than me. Well, in seminary, uh, one of the things they do on the very first day is they put you in a room and they have all of these psychological tests that you have to take. Now, when I went to this particular room, it was very easy to see who was different because everybody in the room was white except one guy who was black. And I decided that I would walk across the room during one of our breaks and introduce myself. And I said, hey, my name's Chris. And he said, hey, my name's David. And then I asked the question, well, where are you from? And he said, well, I'm from uh, Marion, Indiana. And then all of a sudden I was like, whoa, we have a connection. Like I was born in Marion and I start telling him all of my experiences of Marion. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I went a little bit overboard trying to connect with this guy. And what he told me later on, which now we've become really good friends, 
But what he told me later on, he says, dude, I'll never forget that first time you introduced yourself to me. And I thought to myself, who is this white guy? And why is he talking so much? We're taking all of these psychological tests and, you know, we're, we're all overwhelmed and we're stressed and you're talking about Mary and I don't care. But there was a piece of me that just didn't give up. I kept on walking across rooms every time that I would see David to try to build a friendship. And over time, I think what happened was he just kind of caved in. He finally said, well, this guy is going to make me his friend no matter what, so I better do that. And we actually have become amazing friends, and he's one of my best friends today. And since that day, we've remained close. He's a pastor in Texas. I'm a pastor in Indiana. But every two weeks, we talk to each other, and one of the biggest discussions that we have is how can we be the type of people who walk across rooms and encourage others who are different than us? You know, tomorrow we're going to celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Day. We're going to celebrate his birth, and and maybe there was no one who was more of a king of welcoming than Martin himself. Regardless of the color of your skin, regardless of whether you were rich or poor, regardless of where you were at, the power of Martin Luther King Jr. was that he welcomed people to become a part of a movement that would create equality for everyone. In fact, one of my favorite quotes when it came to this whole concept of welcoming other people and that what happens if we don't is this one in which King said, we must learn to live together as brothers or perish as fools. We must learn to live together as brothers and sisters or we will perish as fools. Folks, when we don't reach out to other people who are different than us, we're foolish. Because the reality is, God created us in such a way that we need to be the kind of people who walk across rooms and welcome others into the love of God and the love of life. So is there somebody in your life this week that you could welcome? Uh, maybe it's someone who's different than you, though. Maybe there's somebody at work. They just have very different ideas and di- very different thoughts. And you're prone to want to kind of walk away from that person. But what if you chose to be like Christ and you actually walked across and you engaged with them? Not necessarily agreeing with what they think, but welcoming and accepting them as they are. What would it look like if... Maybe you walked across the room to someone who was a different color or a different culture. What would it look like if you walked across the room to care for somebody who's struggling, who you know is having a difficult time? What would it look like if you really chose to welcome people in your life who are different than you? Jesus said this, when you give a banquet, welcome the poor, the crippled, The lame, the blind. Jesus was saying, welcome the people that the rest of the world doesn't want anything to do with. I want you to welcome them. You know, I have a feeling this week, 
by you just listening to this, God is going to place some people in your path that look different, act different than you are. And the question is, how will you welcome them? A third possible reason why welcoming is so close to the heart of God is this, that God knows it helps us to become more loving people. When we welcome others, we actually become more loving people. If you would, I'd like you to imagine, okay, so for some of you, you're mathematical, you're all in your head, but I want you just to imagine for a moment that in front of you is a mat, And there are words on that map. For some of you, those words are welcome. For others of you, quite honest, those words are unwelcome. And what I'd like you to imagine is that the words on that map are truthful. They're exactly what's in your mind and thoughts about what you think about engaging with people that are around you. So this morning, let me ask you, what was on your mat after you woke up this morning? I mean, after coffee, okay, what was on the mat? Now, for some of you, maybe your mat was like this one, go away. (laughs) That's what's in your thoughts when people are around you, go away. Or maybe, for others of you, your mat is like this, come back with a warrant, That's yours. Come back with a warrant. Or how about this one? Oh, no, not you again. That's yours. Or here's my favorite of all of them, and it's this. You read my doormat. That's enough social interaction for one day. (laughs) Don't you love that? Folks, every time we encounter other people, they get a vibe from us. You may not have an actual mat in front of you, but people get a vibe from you by the way that your aura is. And they can tell whether or not you want to engage with them or not. They see it on your face. They know when you're frustrated, when you're irritated, when you simply don't want to have anything to do with them. And they also know when you're accepting and welcoming And loving. So when people encounter you, my question is, what do they see on your mat? Do you welcome people? Do you actually pull people in? Do you communicate in such a way that what your mat would say is, come as you are. You are welcome. You are God's child. You are present here with me. You know, one of the places where we've really tried to enlarge our welcome is when it comes to our small groups. We have a welcome mat that is out for every single one of you. You are welcomed into a small group. Everyone, regardless of who you are, you are welcome to be a part of a group. Just like we saw in the interview with Zach and Ashley As they were welcomed into a group, there is a group right now that is longing to welcome you into their group. They're waiting for you, actually. They're looking forward to being able to accept you, to welcome you, to let you know that you're loved as is. Why would you not want to be a part of one of those groups? 
You should sign up right now to say, yes, I need that in my life. Now, another potential reason why welcoming is so close to the heart of God is this, that God knows that welcoming changes us. God knows that welcoming actually changes us. You know, this week, I wonder how you could be intentional on welcoming some other people into your daily world. What could you do? What would it look like? For example, when you go to a coffee shop and you're there, do most of you look like this the whole time? Because what this says is, don't engage. Uh, Don't come over toward me. Uh, How about when you get gas? Do you just get the gas and never look to see if there's anyone else around you? What about when it comes to going to the doctor or the dentist or other people in the waiting room, but are you just kind of ignoring them? What about people who might be struggling? Do you try to walk away and ignore where they're at? How about in your neighborhood? Are you the kind of neighbor that you get to your house and you get the car into the garage door, you close it down, you never wave, you never connect, but maybe this week you could do it differently. Just before Christmas, we felt very convicted as a family that we wanted to give a welcome to all of our neighbors, and so we got uh, jars of candy. We went to all the neighbors in our cul-de-sac, and we... Uh, welcome them to come and to be a part of what our Christmas Eve celebration was like, which was amazing, and uh, all of the staff did such a great job. Well, there was one person that I was really looking forward to meeting because they were brand new. They had just moved in to a house a week uh, before we kind of went to our neighbor's. And I took my youngest daughter, Shiloh, who is 11, to go with us, And as we walked up to this new neighbor's door, I knocked on it, but there was no answer. Now, I could tell that there was a light on in there and there was some movement of a human, but they weren't coming to the door. Now, my 11-year-old at that point says this. Shiloh goes, Dad, let's just leave it at the door. We don't want to look like stalkers. And I thought to myself, I didn't go all this way to just leave it at the door. So I knocked again a second time. And about that time, our new neighbor comes and we introduced ourselves to her and she introduced herself to us. We gave her the candy, invited her to Christmas Eve, and then we let her know exactly where we lived and that if she needed anything or we could help her in any way that we were there. And she had said that she had just moved from New Hampshire. She had some family here, but she didn't really know anyone. And this huge smile came on her face because of just a small welcome that we had. And so we were done kind of uh, with that porch visit, which only took a couple of minutes. And we walked away and Shiloh turned to me and she said, Dad, I'm really glad we took a second knock. You see, folks, sometimes it's going to take for you a second knock. It's going to take a second try to be able to reach out to people and to welcome them and to let them know that they are welcomed in your world and they are accepted and loved.
You know, we're in a pandemic. Vaccines are here and some people are getting better. Some of you've gone through the horrible kind of process of the illness, but we're still just struggling as a culture on how much can we reach out to other people. And what I would say is regardless whether there's a pandemic or not, there are safe, healthy ways that you can welcome others into your world. For some of you, it's as simple as when you drive into your neighborhood, rather than being ticked off and having your head down from work, you could actually look up, smile, and wave. For others of you, maybe what it looks like is when you come into your neighborhood, you're like, I don't even know my neighbors. You could do some goodie bags and go and reach out and kind of connect with them. For some of you, you spend more time at work than any other place, and there are some co-workers that you've just never kind of welcomed and reached out to. Maybe invite them to lunch, or if that's not it, DoorDash. Like everybody's doing DoorDash now. If you're uncomfortable, invite the food to come in. Or if you know someone who's struggling right now, you could actually take a bag of groceries or a gift card and take it to their house and let them know that they are welcomed And they are loved. The reality is, folks, there are people that are different than you. And you can be the type of person who walks across rooms and doesn't allow them to stay isolated or ignored, but welcomed and loved. You know, when we invite people, when we welcome people into our lives, you know what happens? We become better people. You actually become a better person when you have a larger welcome. And our world is expanded when we invite people in that we don't know or who are different than us. So why is welcoming so close to the heart of God? Because he just knows how many people are needing to be welcomed. He knows that people who are different need to be welcomed. He knows that we actually become more loving people. We actually become changed people. We become better people when we're welcoming people. And then ultimately it's this, that God knows it's the dream of the church to be welcoming. You know, in Revelation, the very last book of the Bible, many people never read it because they're fearful of like, you know, the last days and what's happening. But the reality is Revelation is just a blueprint of what heaven's going to be like. And in Revelation chapter seven, it talks about the importance of God's welcome when you get there. Scripture says this. After this, I looked And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Every nation, folks, every tribe, every people, every person, every language was there. And there was this huge welcome of everyone always. That's the dream, folks, of the church, that everyone is welcome always, regardless of who you are or what you've done. You're welcomed into Christ's church. But the problem is, there are sometimes people who are Christians that don't welcome people. 
And so those people outside look at those folks and say, well, that's what the church must be like. It's judgmental, hypocritical, homophobic, insensitive, intolerant of anyone. In fact, I was reading a statistic this week that 44% of millennials actually believe that the church is an exclusive club. That they would never be welcomed into the church. So 44% of all millennials have checked out because they're not welcomed. And what we need to do is to remind them that the church is not a sanctuary for saints, but it's actually a hospital for sinners. And every single one of us is a patient. So this week, I simply want to challenge you to think about stepping out to be a welcoming person to someone else. Who can you actually pull towards you? Because we know that God tells us that we are better people when we're welcoming people. He knows the people that need to be welcomed. He knows that people who are different than us need to be welcomed. And we actually become loving, better, and change people when we do this. So if God's been prompting you to reach out to a particular person or a group, what could you do this week to be welcoming? I would just simply want to encourage you that you might think about Making a phone call, sending a text, inviting a coworker out who's different to welcome them and let them know that they're loved. God wants us to be a more welcoming people. And he begs us to do that so that we can build a more welcoming church. And to be quite honest, folks, that's what I want to give the rest of my life to. That the doors of the jar would be so far wide open that every single person would want to walk in. And the pandemic is not going to be here forever. But until it's over, you and I are the church. The church is not a place. The church is people. And he's calling his people to go out and to welcome and accept and love people to come. And next week, we get to open our doors to invite people to come and experience the love of God. And the big thing that God wants us to know is that we should be the type of people who, like Paul said, therefore, welcome one another just as Christ welcomed you. For the glory of God. Welcome everyone just as Christ has welcomed you. Just as we did last week, I want us to close by kind of having a declaration of an action that we're going to take this week. And regardless of what room you're in or if you're watching this uh, with a whole family, that you'll just repeat this declaration after me. This week... I will commit to welcoming others and be a part of building a welcoming church. I will live out the heart of God to welcome everyone always. Let's pray. Loving God, thank you so much 
for welcoming us. For choosing us even when we were not worthy to be chosen. For accepting us as is. And so God, we ask that you would help us to welcome everyone who comes into our path this week. Help us to be the first people to walk across the room or across the factory floor or across the office or across the medical office to walk across the grocery store and to welcome people who may look different than us. Help us to welcome others, God, just as you welcomed us. Now, maybe some of you are watching this right now, and the reality is, is that God has welcomed you, but you've never welcomed Him into your life. You felt Him knocking on the door of your heart, but the truth is, you always thought that at God's door was a welcome mat that simply said, you're not good enough, keep on walking. And I just want you to know that if you think that, that that's called stinking thinking. The mat at God's door for you to have a relationship with Him has a, a welcome that says, come as you are. You are accepted as is and we'll work together and I'll help you, but you are accepted. Come as you are. And so today, if you're ready to say, yep, I need that in my life. I need someone to accept me and love me exactly where I'm at. You can do that today with a relationship with Jesus Christ. The whole reason that he went to a cross and he died on it and he rose three days later is because he didn't want you to have to go through this life feeling like you weren't accepted, you weren't loved. He wanted you to know that there was always a map that says, come as you are, you are welcome. And so today, if you're ready to receive that welcome and say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I need your forgiveness. I need your love. I need your grace. I need the hope of heaven for me. Then I'm going to invite you into a prayer. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but it's a prayer that we pray in community together. Hundreds of other people will be praying this with you so you're not alone. And so I'm going to invite you right now to just kind of close your eyes, bow your head, and to repeat after me this prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Make me brand new. I believe you died for me and rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. I receive your welcome. I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.